1: Hello, Sine. I thought we'd do this whole episode in accents. What do you reckon? No. Okay, fair enough. (laughs) Hello there. Welcome to I Only Like You In Movies. I'm here. My name's Lonnie. I'm with Sine. How are you doing, Sine? Hello. I'm well, thank you. We've seen Cruella this week. And you know what, Sine? We haven't talked about this yet on the count of three let's both say if we liked it or not. Okay? okay one
2: two
1: three kind i of? liked it
2: oh. okay cool oh, okay
1: <laughs> <laughs> and let's see the rest of the episode talking at the same time all right no no what no yep
2: we're not doing this oh, joke. Okay. <laughs> we're not doing this joke
1: okay okay fair enough i've had two jokes already both silly um, Cruella. It is obviously based on 101 Dalmatians. It's a prequel and it's kind of in the, in the same vein as some of the recent Disney live actions where it's like a reimagining and it's about the villain and I think it might be one of the best ones. What do you reckon, Sinead?
2: I mean sure, but it's not. that's not doing this film any favours if you're putting it up against the new Lion King
1: true you know <laughs> maleficent etc <cetera>. yeah <laughs> um okay what's it about say? what could you explain the story to us all
2: it's a prequel it's it's cruella's origin story essentially mm. mm-hmm. and uh, what's the origin story she's an orphan she was an orphan and then she becomes a fashion person
1: yeah become like a street action then like a yeah,
2: works in a fashion house, and then I
1: mean, you don't seem cool. excited about this. Once, and I thought you were going to be in love with it.
2: Well, I have mixed feelings. Mm,
1: okay, okay. If you haven't watched it, I would recommend it. And now, do spoilers. <laughs>
2: <laughs> cool. I don't think the dramatic moments worked.
1: Oh, okay. I don't what do you mean? think
2: like when she goes to the dinner thing. And she has a dress that she like sets on fire and is really cool and finds out that Emma Thompson killed her mother. And then they get in the car, steal a car, and Jasper and Horace are in the car and then they drive and then they get out and she's like, she killed my mother. And then we cut to her in bed. It's like that scene screams to me of studio interference because if you cut that scene out and just had her going from the party to waking up in bed and saying I need to get revenge, we know, we understand that. We're clever audience people. It screams to me of a studio going, mm, the audience isn't quite going to get that, so we need to put a scene in there, and them going, mm. fine, we'll refilm the scene. And blah, blah, blah. If you can cut a scene out of your film and it still works without it, that means it's not necessary. And there are a few moments like that that I just didn't, I didn't buy the drama. I think the comedy worked really well, and one dramatic moment that worked really well is when Emma's at the fountain towards the end and she's having a conversation to her mother who wasn't her mother, That worked, but the other things were very like cringy. Did you not get that?
1: Yeah, you're right. There was a lot more talking to a fountain than I expected. (laughs) But I liked it. Um that scene in particular was very good. That's like that's the scene that goes to the Oscars, you know, nomination. Um I I thought it was kind of nice and a bit offbeat and quite dark a lot darker than i thought it was going to be i liked that i thought it was very um interesting in that sense and i i liked how it yeah set up this this big rivalry between you know one of those classic um apparently fashion designers are always getting in these fights if you believe movies where it's all about who can make the best dress i think most people out there are like oh there's a new dress out okay cool they don't really get that invested in, in these fights, but it seems very important to people who are part of it. Mm. But you're saying the dramatic moments didn't work for you. I, I, I didn't mind them. I was, you know, I guess I was, yeah, well, I wasn't bothered by them, so I guess they worked for me.
2: Mm. Were,
1: were you expecting more or what are you?
2: I just, my issue is that this doesn't make sense in canon.
1: Yeah, okay. So that's, that's another thing that might be a bit of a difference between you and me yeah i saw the at least one of the glenn close ones as a kid i don't i probably have seen the animated one as a kid as well but i don't really remember it um and so when i was watching this i wasn't comparing it to what's happened before or trying to to make it all work in my head which i think you've just recently watched them haven't you
2: so i did recently watch the animated 101 dalmatians yes
1: Mm. but you would have a and you'd know more about the other ones too, wouldn't you? You'd have a bit of a... I've seen trunk. them,
2: yeah. but yeah. I wasn't I wasn't comparing them in my head. But we know that in 101 Dalmatians, Cruella de Vil wants to kill the animals to make a coat. That's like mm. the basic premise, right? Kill the Dalmatians mm-hmm. to make a coat. It is established in this film that she would never kill the dogs. She even says, I wouldn't do that. I would never do that. So you've created empathy for a villain right which is great for an origin story but that doesn't work as a prequel which is what you're doing how does she get from saying i would never kill the dogs i would never make a fur coat of them that's not me no i'm a bit crazy but i'm not that crazy to wanting to do that it well, it's doesn't that's a
1: sequel me. that's going to happen
2: yeah but it doesn't it doesn't fit like it doesn't
1: <sighs> but also it could not Instead of just being a sequel, it might be more of a reimagining. I didn't mind the sort of illusion in the film that she, like the press sort of ran with the story that she had killed the, the dogs for a coat and that she was this awful criminal and she maybe sort of went along with it just yeah, for the for the buzz.
2: I get that. But she literally says, I would never do that, and then we know that that's what she tries to do in well, the future.
1: Well, Maybe she... Hates them after a <laughs> I know she. Yeah, I think there is potential there for the sequel to go more into that territory. But I understand what you mean. I just like,
2: feel like the whole film's worked to make her empathetic, to make me feel sorry for her, but then yeah, without having by,
1: by shortchanging who she is as a character.
2: Yeah, yeah, and without having any, like I felt like I think I felt like this with the Star Wars movies, with Solo, mm. with Rogue One, whatever. They're all well and good, but we have an end goal, guys. Like we all know where we're heading. We know that Star Wars happened, so you have to at least line up your end to fit that somehow. Mm. And I don't like it when filmmakers or directors, Kof Taika Waititi, (laughs) Kof whoever did Last Jedi, think that they can make a film that doesn't fit anything else. Mm. You're working within within a franchise already, within, within an IP, with the constraints of an IP, if you don't want that, don't make the film. Mm. The, the creativity here is how you get to that point in an interesting way because we already know the end goal, right? We know what's going to happen. So how do you take us on this journey before then to get us there in the most interesting way?
1: I was just thinking it would be kind of funny if they made like a, a Thanos prequel and all throughout it he... It's like, yeah, I would never actually I would never my kill anyone. I would... <laughs> I would never kill half the
2: universe. <laughs> I would never do that. Exactly. But we know that he gets there, right? So.
1: Yeah, and you're right. And, and, if, and if the journey is still going to happen in the sequel, it's like, well, why give us this movie? Give us that story. Yeah, right? That's a fair enough comment. Yeah. The film in and of
2: itself, though, I think, works. I like the film. Okay. Yeah. I'm going a bit hard, but I did like the film. It was very enjoyable to watch. Emma Thompson fantastic as always, mm. gave Miranda Priestley a run for her money in terms of, like, boss lady, mean boss lady. Um, that's from Devil Wears Prada. I'm thinking that your silence means that you didn't get that good reference.
1: All I know is that Meryl Streep's in it and she's mean.
2: Okay. Well, I'm saying that Emma Thompson is <laughs> on par, yeah. if not better than that. Um, I, got, I got
1: the allusions to that Good, for sure. good,
2: good, good, good. The, I love Wink. I love yeah. Wink so much. <laughs> yeah. Wink is the best boy or girl in the history of the world.
1: What did you think about when um, you said, Wink, I'm going to give you the biggest kiss on oh. I don't care where you've been. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yes, correct response.
1: Uh, yeah, I, I thought that when I saw Wink in the first place. So.
2: Um, I'm also in this film. I don't know if you know. How are you? Yeah, I'm Artie okay who says things like small point aren't you dead <laughs> and when the other when horace says he had the baddies artie goes did you though?" Know? yeah it's me you're the
1: lottery police in-
2: <laughs> it's me <laughs> yeah
1: that was good i loved artie i wish there was a bit more of artie to be honest
2: yeah i wanted more of artie too
1: he was a little bit set up just to be like functional rather than be character but i guess we will characters functional yeah. in this film, so yeah you know what i mean right um i think I, I, again, I liked it as well i thought i liked the whole vibe i liked how dark it was as i said it's not for kids you no. know not well not for little kids and i actually by a chance i happened to listen to an interview with the writer of the film because a friend of mine julian he suggested i listen to um the script notes podcast because there was an interview with um the writer and creator of WandaVision. Yeah.
3: And so look, like,
1: I'll give that a go, like Division. And before that, they did interview with the person who just happened to write Cruella. I was like, oh, it's lined up nicely. And she said one of the things that's been complaining, that's been annoying her, and people have been complaining a little bit to her. It's like, who's it for? Is it for adults? Is it for kids? Because it's kind of not really very kid-like. It's a kind of a bit too kiddy for adults, that sort of thing. And apparently she hates that sort of argument, all that sort of concern, because she's like, well, adults like to be kids again and kids like having something to look to reach up to and i i, I like that when i was a kid to watch something that i thought was a little bit more adult than i was perhaps when i was younger um but having said that i wouldn't take a six-year-old to this maybe a 10 up you know not that i'm a noted child development psychologist or anything but you know what i mean it's not mm. very kid like you still there i'm, I'm just talking lots now. No,
2: no, no, I'm lot
1: <laughs> now you know what i mean yeah.
2: yeah yeah i know what you mean
1: um one thing I'll say, though, mm-hmm. um, too much music, maybe, like songs. What do you think of that?
2: I liked it. I think it worked.
1: I, like, I just thought it maybe a bit overwhelming having every now and then, like every five minutes there was a new song. And the songs were just a bit basic, bitch, as well, perhaps. Yeah. It's like she's...
2: I think that is this movie, though. Like, it's very
1: yeah, yeah, true.
2: generic, gold power sort of stuff.
1: Well, yeah, it's like she's going to make up... She's made up her mind to fight back, and so we're going to play. These boots made for walking, and then at the end, it's sympathy for the devil. Like, yeah, it's like. It reminds me actually. Very recently, I was listening to ABC Radio in the morning mm. as wow. I was driving. The
2: lives that you lead. <laughs> ABC <laughs> AM Radio on the way. There's to a work. point to the
1: story. Okay, okay Local sorry. Radio.
3: Yeah.
1: And they do this thing called radio DJ, and they have like a theme, and they ask someone to ring up, and like, you know try and suggest a song based on this theme. And the theme, I'm pretty sure it was gold, right? Mm-hmm. That's the theme. And a person rang up and they asked for the song Gold by Spando Belly. <laughs> like, what the, what's going through your mind? What? <laughs> they asked people, our theme today is gold. Can people suggest a song that we could, that we could play based on this theme? And a person rang up and suggested they sing, they play the song Gold. gold. I don't get that I mean, it's broken it's my not, brain
2: it's not wrong
1: it's not wrong it's just like well yeah obviously that's the song i could have played <laughs> and that kind of reminds me like in this movie it's like she is an evil character her last name is deville let's play sympathy for the devil it just obvious. it's not even clever it's obvious just interest. obvious yeah you know
2: talking about deville This movie has the second worst uh, etymology behind a character's name (laughs) after Han Solo, so named because his name was Han and he was on his own.
1: Oh, my God. So
2: the person goes, Solo. Do you remember that moment? We laughed in the cinema at that, at how awful that was. There was was. no
1: turning back from that movie after that moment for me. There really wasn't.
2: And this one has a pretty similar thing. It's like Horace has a car and it's like it's a devil. And then Jasper's like, it's pronounced Deville. And then the camera turns to Cruella and she goes, Deville, I yeah. like that. It's like, oh, God. That
1: was it was
3: it's horrible. At the same time,
1: though, yeah, that, that, wasn't, that wasn't good. But the idea behind her being like Cruella was what her mum said when she was being mean. As sure. a on her name being Estelle, I thought that was actually handled quite well.
2: That's fine. But then you undercut all that hard work mm. by going, hmm, Deville. Like, oh. stop. No. Stop it. Stop it. Stop it.
1: <laughs> um. Kind of, again, they they sidestepped this, but you wouldn't know it based off Twitter. The idea of that she hates Dalmatians because her mum was killed yes. by Dalmatians. That was so weird. I don't know. It must have been Lon Harris, I think, on, on Twitter. It was, yeah. tweeted about this. He was like, Oh, so we can just play clips of movies now. There's no, we
3: can just spoil no them sense of
1: spoilers. We can just watch them. We, okay, that's. If that's what we're doing, that changes everything because that is not how the world has worked for the last, you know, 100 years of, nope. of films. And I thought that was so bad. People did that. And it doesn't, it's not even accurate because that's not why she hates Dalmatians. As you said, she doesn't mind Dalmatians. Also she was murdered her mum was murdered by Emma Thompson. It wasn't actually the, the dogs just came out of nowhere and killed them.
2: Yeah. And then so, she they listen to her in the end. That's the big like thing is that they stop. Mm. Cause she gets the whistle.
1: Exactly. Yeah. So
2: like what?
1: It is very <laughs> weird to decontextualize a plot point and make fun of it and everyone makes fun of it when it's not even accurate. You could take any scene from a movie, like like a two minute scene out of a movie and even like, that, thirty seconds and say it's stupid without knowing anything about it. Mm. It, It's just very weird to me, all that. Yeah, it was. It's funny, I guess, but still.
2: Speaking about the Dalmatians, Mm. I really hated the CGI. And it's annoying because, like, Dalmatians are beautiful. All dogs are beautiful. All cats are beautiful. And they're not cruel. And I love them all. Mm. So you have to CGI, like, snarling teeth and drool and, like, change Mm. the shape of their faces. And I'm like, why? Why did we have to do that? Even, like, the other dogs were, the dog that she has in the beginning, sorry, what's her dog's name? Buddy?
1: Buddy, I believe, yeah.
2: Yeah. He was CGI at certain parts, like when she mm. was rolling out of the car and stuff, it switched from a real dog to a CGI dog, and it was really poor CGI. And I don't know, I just, like, why? You've got a real dog's mm. body and then this really obvious, like, almost cartoon mouse <laughs> because you can't get a dog to, like, snarl and be aggressive on command mm. like that, you know? I don't know. Yes. I just didn't think it, it was necessary and it was just it didn't work for me.
1: It was very much um Uncanny Valley with the dogs, wasn't it? Yes. They were like I on one level I could appreciate how good the CGI was, but because I was appreciating how good the CGI was, it meant that I recognised it and was taken out of the film for a little bit. Yep. So yeah, it's a bit like that one we didn't ever saw it, but we saw the trailer about um his name's Harrison Ford, and the dog go through the mountains or something. Oh my god, yes! And the,
2: the dog the is dog. so CGI. Oh my god, the whole film was, like around this dog, and the dog's the dog's not real. Yeah, put a, put a real dog in. Do it like mm. um, Turner and Hooch, like have mm. an actual dog.
1: Yeah, and I, I get the I I like the idea of not using a real dog because there might be an, a dangerous situation, and, but yeah, maybe just yeah. You see, how to tidy up the edges if it's still not good enough for a whole movie, you know?
2: Yeah, I don't know. I didn't like it. Um, what
1: did you like the other live action ones from the nineties? The movies. The. Hundred and One Dalmatians movies. I mean. Yeah,
2: I watched a lot. Fun fact, everyone. Mm-hmm. Um, that movie is the sole reason why my dad hates Glenn Close and also Meryl Streep because he thinks they're the same person. And then I remind <laughs> him that Meryl Streep is the. It didn't play cruella and he's like oh okay not her then
1: but he still hates her anyway
2: i think because he gets confused
1: does, does he hate it because the character was so evil i don't right?
2: know i don't actually know he just always hated glenn close because of that movie and well, then you know to the what? point where he hated <laughs> and i was like they're not the same person
1: out. well i have sympathy with your dad because i saw it as a kid and because she's so evil i had similar feelings it took me a while yeah, you know, grapple a little bit more to realise. Oh yeah, she's not actually evil herself. She's an actor, <laughs> she's playing a role. Yeah, but it did it had that that much of an impact on me that because she was so good at so at being evil. I think that's probably why I haven't gone back to watch them as an adult because mm. you know residual childhood fear of her.
2: Interesting you say that, that because rewatching mm-hmm. Hundred One Dalmatians with her in it. I'm still, all those feelings come back of being terrified by her. Even yeah. if the evil queen in Snow White that I was re-watching, I was like, mm. oh, God, she's going to appear <laughs> at the window. Oh, my God. Like, it's so hard to not be taken back to. Oh, yeah. It's that those memories that formed when you were so little, you know. I
0: agree. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time.
1: Um, having said that though, watching this one, Corella's sexy. So I'm conflicted,
3: Sinead.
1: Oh. I'm scared, but now she's sexy. What do I do?
2: Be afraid. Have have that fear fear sexiness? Isn't that a thing? <laughs> oh, I don't know.
1: You can tell them the story, Sine. Help me. <laughs> but um I don't I don't mean to objectify anyone, but the costuming and her performance, Emma Stone's performance. That's something else, right? Like
2: yeah, we've we've completely like not spoken about how great Emma Stone is in this film. Yeah. her accent, flawless, mm-hmm. perfect. Not a single line, not in character. She perfectly cast. Doesn't sell the dramatic moments for me, except for that last bit at the fountain. She did really well, but she's just she's so good, and you can tell she's having fun as well. Like
1: yeah, yeah. Both she and Emma Thompson are mm-hmm. the. Overacting is not fair to them. What they're doing, but they're they're playing the parts of Disney villains, yes. <laughs> which is what yeah. they're doing, and that's totally fine. But they're doing it so well, you don't really mind. It's you hate them, or you hate Emma Thompson. I never thought I'd hate Emma Thompson as a character, as an actor.
2: I still, I still really didn't. I'm like, she might have a good reason, <laughs> oh, you know? Me. She might have a good reason. I don't know.
1: Yeah, I, I saw a comment online. It was a quite interesting? You know, we we're in sport territory, so I'm, I'm happy to say it. Um, normally it's the evil stepmom who hates the children and whatever. In this one, it's the actual mum who wants the kid to be killed. Yeah, that's a nice twist on that sort of storyline, isn't it? Well,
2: interesting you say this because I thought the big reveal was going to mm. be that she was Mark Strong's kid.
1: Oh, I'm glad you thought that too. I thought that's where it was going.
2: Yeah. I 100 percent thought that's where it's going. And with the, when she said, "Did you see the hair?" and he's like, "Coincidence." I thought that was because he shaved like he's bald and in universe it was because he shaved it because he has this weird like split black and white thing. Mm. I thought that was how it was going to make sense.
3: Mm.
2: I don't know. I actually think I might have preferred that better than her being Emma Thompson's kid. But I guess it does make sense because they established like the sort of mood swing split personality was very similar Mm. and that she had that in common. But again, it was one of those twists where I couldn't really have worked it out because there was no hint that Emma Thompson had ever been pregnant before, except when we find it out, and then there's all these flashbacks, and she turns, and she's got a belly. Like, I don't know. I just felt like mm. I don't know if that makes. Well, thinking sense back to that first sense. scene,
1: though, like Mark Strong's there at the birth, isn't he?
2: Yeah, he is. I totally get that. I'm just yeah. like, yeah. I thought that's where we were heading, and then we took it took a sort of.
1: Yeah, worth the rewatch to see if it does make sense yeah. in, in universe. I think, yeah. Um, we should talk about oh, they were great. You couldn't fault them. Um, the clothing and costuming, like, it's its a bit much to say it's good because obviously it's going to be good. It's a Disney film and it's about fashion. It has to be good, but it is good.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, but talk about some of the other actors. I thought Joel Fry as Jasper was kind of the emotional heart, in a way, of the film. And the same with Paul Walter Hauser, who I've always liked, everything I've seen him in. <laughs> Well, his Cockney accent maybe isn't the strongest. Oh,
2: his, his isn't, but not I was supposed to be. I thought it was interesting. They they sort of hinted at a love story between Jasper and Cruella. Did you pick up on that? Was I, that just I, me reading into it?
1: No, no, I, I did that, and and our friend Erica, who I saw the film with, also picked up on that.
2: Yeah, I, I thought that was nice to have a little. I don't know. In the animated film, they're just like goons, essentially. Mm but to actually have a relationship with them and to have known them for a long time and grow up together was an interesting take on
1: it. Yeah. I thought Matt might have been stronger if they pushed that a bit. Maybe he did leave. He kind of seemed very, he's like, I'm going to leave you, and then yeah. he's like, no, no, you're not. You're like, oh, I'm not a guest. Oh,
2: damn, <laughs> like, damn. <yeah. laughs> but he could because yeah. he loved her, you know. He yeah, wanted to, have to be there for her even if he didn't agree mm. with what she was doing. Mm. I'm happy. Yeah, no, 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 the- oh, sorry, you go.
1: I am just going to say, yeah, the, it's not that uncommon for someone to love someone else and see them going down a path and to want to stay there and help them rather than yeah. just leave them because it's easier for us to sit back and just leave them. But, you know, yeah,
2: that's
3: not in the artworks, universe, in real of course.
2: Yeah. Um I'm going to make a really bold claim
3: mm-hmm.
2: about one of the actors okay, and about acting in general. Okay. So just prepare yourself. I'm going to go right. hard. I'm sitting down. All right. I think acting is one of the only professions where you can do a really shit job and still get hired.
1: (laughs) Who are you talking about?
2: Who do you think I'm talking about?
1: Is it Miss Darling? Yes. Kirby Howe Baptiste, is that the one you're talking about?
2: It is. Do you know why I'm talking about her? Go on. In the good place. Her Australian accent it's laughable. It's terrible. <laughs> it's not even British. It's not even Kiwi. It's nothing. Mm. It's nothing. It's the worst accent anyone has ever done in the history of the universe. People were rightly criticising her. Then the Man. creators came out in defence of her. She cannot do an Australian accent. She did a really bad job on that show. But then she gets this this role. And I feel like if I was a surgeon and I accidentally cut someone's hand off, I probably wouldn't be able to go be a surgeon again. Or if I was a farmer and I sold a bunch of tomatoes that had caterpillars in them, people might not buy my tomatoes again. But in acting, you do a shit accent on a film and they're like, oh, you can have this really high profile role in a movie with Emma Stone and Emma Thompson. Sure. Why not? Off you go. Continue on your career.
1: Okay. Okay.
2: Actors are in bad movies all the time and they still get hired. There's no repercussions. The only repercussions are like if you were a young female actress in like the early 2000s and you didn't do what Harvey Weinstein wanted you to do and he ruined your career, like Megan Fox or someone like that, you know? But for just doing a bad job on a film, being a bad actor, no, there's none.
1: Is it possible you're taking some of your feelings about the latest seasons of Good Place out on Kirby?
2: Yes, it is possible. <laughs> but that's not what I'm doing. Okay. I don't like her act. She's terrible. See, you know she was terrible in it because we've watched it together and you're like, oh, go away, Simone. No one cares about Simone. No one cares about the <laughs> love story between Cheedy and Simone. No one cares. Make her go away.
1: At the same time, though, isn't she quite good in Barry?
2: She's fine, I guess.
1: Mm. I know what you mean, though. When the accent is particularly egregious to us Australians.
2: They th- couldn't even get a dialect coach for her. Like, that's a pretty standard <laughs> thing on a film set.
1: Yeah, but having said that again, isn't she pretty good in this film?
2: She's great in this film. Okay. I'm just saying yeah. that her career mm. s- seemingly hasn't been...
1: Uh, impervious, yeah.
2: Impervious to her terrible performance.
1: Well, maybe that's because Americans don't know what we sound like, so they, they didn't don't mind when she was so bad at the accent.
2: Potentially. I don't know.
1: But you're right. It's a different standard, isn't it? And maybe you can you can pass it off as an acting choice or something, blame the director when you're doing a bad accent. But yes, it was <sighs> grating for us, wasn't it?
2: And then the setup that they're gonna be the the Anita and What's his name? Roger. Roger with Perdita and Pongo. Mm.
1: Yeah. So, again, that was probably something that if I had a bit more up-to-date knowledge of the original films, I would have known why Roger was getting so much screen time because I was like, this guy's done nothing. <laughs> he just left halfway through. Like, Didn't okay. you get
2: it when, they're like, he plays piano?
1: No. <laughs> <laughs> okay. But I, I liked him because um, Kay Van Novak is the – He's one of the vampires in the TV version of What We Do in the Shadows.
2: Oh, okay. So
1: I liked him. and Yeah, I saw someone quote this that I didn't realise until afterwards and they were like, one of the things that he says in What We Do in the Shadows is, this fucking guy. <laughs> <laughs> he said it about him. He's like, he worked out he was in the film. Oh. This fucking guy. <laughs> anyway. But in, in the movies, is he a, a piano, is he a songwriter in the original yeah,
2: movies? he writes the Cruella de Vil song. Oh. Do you know, Lonnie, where have you been? That's the whole point of the opening of the movie. There's Roger and Pongo and there's Anita and Perdita, right? And then they meet and then they form a little family and they have some babies. Mm. And the whole point is that Corella's coming over and he's writing the song because he's, ri- he's a songwriter and okay. he writes Cruella de Vil. Like that's the song that he writes. Mm-hmm. Honestly.
1: Okay, well... Blame Glenn Close <laughs> slash Meryl Streep, okay?
2: Can I talk about one moment that I loved in this film and that actually really surprised me and okay. worked really well?
3: Mm-hmm.
2: It's when, so there's like a tit-for-tat thing going on between Corella and Emma Thompson's character, whose mm-hmm. name I can't remember at the moment. Baroness. Yeah. Baroness. Um, with the fashion stuff, right? And Cruella's mm-hmm. trying to, well, Estella at that point is trying to prove herself. Mm-hmm. When the dresses get locked in the safe and they Mm. open it and the beads from the dress were moths' eggs. Yeah. (laughs) Totally took me by surprise. Loved that. I literally like gasped and went, oh, that's so cool. Like what a cool (laughs) thing to do. Like it really subverted expectations. I didn't see it coming. They set it up a tiny bit where I was like, gee, they look a bit like cocoons, but no, Mm. mustn't be because it's a bead thing. I just think that works really well and a lot of the sort of stunts that they pull, like when Cruella, um falls out of the garbage truck yeah. and her dress is made out of rags and they, like, unravel as they drive away, mm-hmm. like so, so cool to the people who thought of those stunts and, like, how to frame them.
1: Yeah, and even the, I, I agree with you, those two bits were so clever and, you know, it took, it took some, I think it took some time and intelligence to think up those. Those moments, you know, didn't weren't necessarily things you just think of on the no, day or something like. Lots of effort put in. I, I appreciate that.
2: They felt really, yeah, well written and well edited, and you know.
1: Mm. And it's been like, like like some shows you watch where it's like, yeah, you know, this person, she's the new up and coming designer, and it's just a it's a dress, it's a regular dress she's designed. You know, at least in this film, you could see how it does make a bit of a media storm where she does those things. Where it, yeah, mm. it's clever. you can kind of see why she's getting all this attention. Just the, the very simple one though was when I think one of the earlier ones where she comes out and she's in um one of her costumes and she's got the projector on her face that says the future. Oh yeah. That was just really just like a small moment which I thought was quite interesting. It's really
2: and... cool, like high fashion sort of graphic mm. performance art sort of stuff.
1: Yeah. Mm. Kind of reminds well, me actually of one of the storylines in Emily in Paris. I knew you were going to say that. I knew. <laughs>
2: you I, I knew it was coming and I almost said it and then I went no don't because that'll that'll he'll jump on that and I didn't you're talking about where they throw the paint on her
1: yeah that yeah. was like, it actually makes sense to me to raise this one actually Actually, yeah
2: you know what I'll give you this it, <laughs> it is relevant to what we're talking about at least because there
1: was a plot point where they had two warring fashion designers and Emily mm-hmm. is being the design like the marketing for one of them and yeah, she, gets, the she gets she gets thrown the paint over her dress and then she becomes She's of modeling course, she's in a dress. It all. Yeah. She's,
2: for some reason because that's what our marketing one. executives yeah. do is turn into models and then she gets paint, you know, mm. poured all over the dress and mm. yes.
1: And there, there's, there's two sort of younger artists slash designers who are coming up against the older guys who she's trying to represent. And yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm not saying they copied Emily in Paris, but it's possible that there are some illusions there, you know.
2: How long was this film in the works for?
1: It's like twenty thirteen apparently.
2: Yeah, so I don't I don't know that there's a lot of inspiration oh, we're getting from Elian no. Harris, but you know Well, well yeah. probably not mm, though. Hey. Maybe. Well possibly. No. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs>
1: and did you watch this on Disney Plus
2: tonight? I did not. I took exception to the fact that it was gonna cost me forty-five dollars to watch it on mm. Disney Plus and found a cheap ticket. Right when cinemas were opening again so I could get in and get out.
1: Were you, like, banging on the door? <laughs>
3: <laughs> let me in. Please. This I is all I, I want.
2: <laughs> That's me.
1: But you yeah, i to uh, pay if...
2: the Disney fee? And you need to pay an extra $25 to watch it? Yeah. Was... No. No. Yeah. No. <laughs> no. You guys are a billion-dollar company. You do not need $25 from me. Mm. Just let me watch the freaking show. Anyway. <laughs>
1: <laughs> um, that, that's fine. I was wondering what the experience would have been like watching it at home is very different to watching it you know, at the cinema. Mm. Um, I
2: think uh, that, there's a dissertation in that, if anyone's like doing their PhD mm. on the cinema experience versus the at-home rental system. Well,
1: yeah, I remember lecturers at uni of like, one particular who was like, when I go to see a film at the cinema, I put everything away, I focus, mm-hmm. I'm there to watch it, I'm there to out with friends afterwards and have dinner and, and talk about it and get into really you know mm. get stuck into it if i'm at home i'll stop it i'll be on my phone i'm not going to watch it properly mm. so if someone rings like if i get a message i'll look at the message like so of course you're not watching it in the same context and i think that's probably why people thought they could share the video on twitter because
2: everyone's yeah. already seen it it's available at home yeah. so if you haven't seen it it's your fault that kind of thing and
1: like if it's on your phone it's content
2: mm. but
1: like if someone went to the cinema and filmed that and then distributed it
2: that's illegal
1: (laughs) that's illegal yeah but it's on your phone already it's just like everything else I watch I can share Mm. yeah interesting concept
2: Mm. I think that's also like traditionally culturally we get dressed up to go to the theater and it would be Mm. like a a special sort of outing and I don't get dressed up to go to the theater but I'm you know I'm not in (laughs) tracksuit pants and a pajama top and I wonder if that's part of it too is the way that we frame the experience going mm. into it as in this is a special thing that we've paid money for, this experience, I'm going to sit down and have this experience and this experience is dinner and then a movie and all of that
3: mm-hmm.
2: as opposed to, oh, what do you want to watch? It's Tuesday night and 7 o'clock, let's just chuck on Cruella sort of thing. Mm. you know. I, wa- I really do think that the way that we watch a film, it really influences how we feel about it.
3: I'm a yeah.
1: huge believer in that. I think that's so true. But I agree that the idea of going to the movies is something that are, you know, one of our favorite things to do. And we always, we, we try to make it a thing as well. That we, we go for dinner and we talk about it. Mm. And it's like, a, you know, it's fun. It's a date and stuff. Having said that, if you're a, you know, got four kids, and you're a well, you know, yeah. single parent. Yeah. It'd be so good to just be able to chuck on a new movie and watch it yourself for, for not much money comparatively because you and I go to the cinema, we can get a cheap ticket normally, if we can go on the right night and we can go to a later session if you want. But if you yeah don't have all those um, considerations, yeah, if you're- Privileges you're, as well. Yeah, it totally okay. is, so. Yeah, so it, there's a bit of a push-pull there and it, there are good parts and bad parts. Mm. But anyway, Corell, I, I recommend it. I'm gonna give it four stars. Yeah,
2: mm. what do
1: you reckon? A bit long, maybe. One other thing I didn't mention, a bit long.
2: Quite long. Mm. Um, I'm torn between three and a half and four, so I'm going to go 3.75.
1: Okay. Why are you torn?
2: Well, 3.5 sounds really low Mm. when I really did like certain parts of it, but then four stars seems a bit too high for the issues that I had with the drama stuff not working Mm. and the bad CGI. Yeah, I don't know. Also, can I just talk to you about my cinema experience quickly? The gentleman in the seat in front of me, um put his hands like behind his head and reclined. So his like elbows were covering the screen. Really? You don't do that, do you? Do you, not- you don't sit like that in the cinema. No. Right. Like that's not what you do. And also at the end, when Corella gets pushed off the cliff and, she's- cliff and she's got parachute on her, which we all yeah. could have seen happening, right? Like obviously she's going to get pushed off the cliff and be fine because we know that there's another oh. movie. She's not going to die. This woman... Next to me, like at the next aisle thing, went, mm. Oh my goodness, when it turned out that she had a parachute. It's like, sorry, is this the first movie you've ever seen in the history of the world? Like that moment it was so mm. obvious that it was coming and it was fine, it was done well, but like mm. wasn't that shocking, was it? Like <laughs> you know she doesn't die. You know this is a yeah. prequel, right?
1: Yeah, that's funny, yeah. <sighs>
2: Maybe I should have watched it at home. Maybe I would have had a better experience. Well, No annoying much, people at home.
1: I know. I'd as we love going to the cinema as an experience. You do run that risk, entry of people?
2: You really do. Um,
1: before we go, I should also comment that um, Erica, our good friend and sometimes guest,
3: mm-hmm.
1: um, we've been talking about this. We went to see it together. We're talking a lot about how it's like the female Joker. And then we've been talking, like, giving it different names like le feminine joker <laughs> <laughs> el joker jokerette that's um, good so that, that's, been, that's been fun for us
2: no nice. thanks for letting us sit on that little one joke
1: but then then we, we kind of got a bit disappointed because she didn't go full joker really
2: nah. but maybe maybe she that will. was like well she has to eventually because that's mm. what happens <laughs> like again back to my thing establishing empathy for a villain is fine but when you're making prequel you've got to get back Mm. to just true evil villain like this is the problem you're turning two-dimensional characters into three-dimensional characters like i don't know that it works but anyway yeah i was gonna
1: say it'd be funny if in the sequel to korella korella 2 whatever it is they like she gets a boyfriend or something or like someone has a kid or something and that person is killed by the dogs (laughs) and that that's why she hates dogs oh, after just, that. <laughs> just
2: everyone in her life slowly gets killed by Dalmatians.
1: Yeah, and then she's like, oh, I do hate the dogs and now. I will kill them. That, that's why. Well,
2: they're going to have to do something stupid like that to get her back to where she needs to be.
1: <laughs> It'd be funny to, to take the thing that everyone made fun of about, about her and then just to make it actually the plot for the next one be funny. Do you
2: think Cruella 2 should be just called Tuella
1: Oh, that'd be good, wouldn't it? Yeah, it's good. Like
2: Ratatouille?
1: Ratatouille. You're it was be- not a sequel. No. Weird.
2: Good though. Sense. Good. I don't. I don't like when Pixar do sequels. I think no. it ruins yeah, the integrity of the original film.
1: Absolutely. A wonderful thing to go. Sorry. That's Two fine. <laughs> I know we're wrapping up, but I thought the the show in Region of the Park was really good. Like the the rock show they did. That was really mm-hmm. cool. Um, just mentioning that out of nowhere. But also, I was thinking. I mentioned before how like they've made Cruella sexy in this film. Oh, I mean, okay. Like that. You know, that's fine. That's a choice and whatever. It's a movie star of course they gonna be sexy i was thinking about what they might do for like hunchback of notre dame where they put like andrew scott as the guy <laughs> maybe as frollo was a frollo the guy yeah Yeah. i mean
2: i wouldn't mind sure. that i mean yeah, i know
1: you would. i know you wouldn't <laughs> you wouldn't mind that
2: he's just gonna break my heart though so what's the point yeah
1: this is like yeah other famous disney villains they should make them all i guess they did i know it wasn't disney but they did like i wasn't captain hook was he he was but Chi Jacqueline was in a Peter pan movie, like yeah. it's, it's it's an option. But it is weird to make them yes. The sexiness was part of her character, it wasn't just that she happened to be an attractive actor to play Corella, you know what yeah, I mean? yeah, I
2: think Corella the character has always been very glamorous, you know. She's Bamping, fur, yeah. fur coats and has the cigarette on the cigarette holder mm. and like that's part of her character. Yeah, I don't think
1: it's yeah. But yeah, it'd be interesting to apply that to other villains if they do this in the future.
2: I guess, anyway. like, Angelina playing Maleficent was like that too. Yeah,
3: yeah But Maleficent sure. was
2: very, like, Maleficent was conventionally attractive. Yeah. I mm, guess so. Interesting.
1: Anyway, I'd like to see a sexy Andrew Scott frollo as all.
2: I probably would see that live action just because I love that movie so much, <laughs> but, you know.
1: Yeah. Anyway, wrapping up. Yep. See you later. Bye. <laughs> Uh, Thank you very much for listening, and also we on all the socials, get in touch with us, and uh, tell your friends if you like our podcast. Thank you.
2: That'd be great. All right. See you later. Oh, God. No. Claw blimey. No. Are you done?
1: I'm done.
3: (laughs) Hold up.